So finally, what is what is the takeaway? What lessons have we not learned about methamphetamine? I want to show this chart real quick because this blew my mind. How many people use meth in a lifetime? 12.3 million people use meth in a lifetime, according to uh, data collected, the CDC data? No, that's the uh, SAMHSA. Uh, the SAMHSA movie, yeah, Substance Abuse Mental Health Services. How many people had used it in 2012, in the entire year, 1.2 million? How many had used it in the last month of the study? Half a million. Yeah. That's not very many people in a country of 300 million. That's right. So methamphetamine, the use of methamphetamine has always been relatively low. It's just that the hysteria uh, uh, alter, uh, is increased and decreases periodically. But the use has always been well below the use of cocaine, well below, considerably lower than the use of marijuana and other drugs. So you think we are repeating what we did in the, in the late 80s, early 90s with crack with methamphetamine right now? We, we certainly are. We punish uh, methamphetamine more harshly than any other drug other than crack um, um, and, and the hysteria when we start to see things like the meth mouth there's virtually no evidence for like this dental decay that we see that p these pictures that people show really there's virtually no evidence. So when we think about methamphetamine, think about Adderall. Adderall is the detention deficit disorder drug that right. a lot of college students yep, take. Yep. Uh, same drug. Nobody's talking about... It's not the same drug. It's the exact same drug. The only difference is that methamphetamine has a methyl group attached to it, but we did a study in which we, uh, along with other people, in which we uh, tested the effects of a drug like Adderall compared to methamphetamine. They produced identical effects. They, they are almost identical chemically in terms of the chemical structure. Uh, they're the same effect. And so but we have these wow. Hello everyone, welcome to the I Am Cannabis Sativa podcast. I'm your host, Cannabis Sativa. As you can guess from the prior clip, which was from MSNBC's show, All In With Chris Hayes, who had on the great Dr. Carl Hart. Today we're going to be talking about ADHD and strains and edibles one can try if you or someone you know happens to have this condition and is considering using medical cannabis. Meth Methamphetamine and prescription drugs like Adderall, like Dr. Carl Hart referenced, are in fact analogous to each other. We will later discuss the key ways that these two drugs are different. But first, we're going to go into what ADHD is, its causes, and its conventional treatment options. Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder or ADHD is usually split amongst three different types. These three types are inattentive, hyperactive slash impulsive, or both. Someone with inattentive ADHD might make careless mistakes, be easily distracted, or not actively listening to something. People with hyperactivity and impulsive traits may squirm, fidget, get up from their chair, or move around their environment a lot. The causes of ADHD are said to be neurodevelopmental in, in nature. The three, the three above behaviors are unknown. Are the causes of the three above behaviors are unknown, but it is said to be of environmental and genetic origins. Looking at family, for example, someone with a sibling that has 
it is more likely to develop it. There isn't a sig single or particular gene that leads to, de to individuals developing ADHD. However, it is said that multiple genes are likely tied to the disease's development, and particularly the ones that control the production of neurotransmitters. Multiple genes are tied to ADHD, likely the gene that controls the production of neurotransmitters. The affected neurotransmitters are dopamine and norepinephrine. Dopamine is said to be involved with the reward, risk, and impulsiveness mechanisms of our brain and behavior, while norepinephrine is involved in the attention and arousal mechanisms of our brain and behavior. Lower amounts of these neurotransmitters contributes to ADHD. No one yet knows what causes people to have these low levels. The two for treatment, the true common treatment options for people with ADHD are usually behavioral psychotherapy, medication, or often both. Behavioral psychotherapy is often used for children who show signs of the disorder. This often comes in the form of teaching children things like effective time management skills, better organizational skills. Kids are often, oft, kids often need to be given structure and guidance in the form of things like structured routines and corresponding rewards when these routines are properly followed. Parents and teacher involvement is essential in managing this disorder. For adults, it is essential for one to decrease distractions and improve one's organizational skills to ameliorate the symptoms of ADHD. Simulants are often the first line of things that are prescribed. These are said to increase the number of deficient neurotransmitters, i.e. dopamine. Common prescriptions like Adderall and Ritalin are very similar to its illicit cousin, methamphetamine. A key difference between dextroamphetamine and methamphetamine is that dextroamphetamine is a slow release of dopamine to the brain. This is more controlled and this control helps patients improve their attention and focus. The illicit cousin is very fast acting and it's and its boost creates a huge surge of dopamine which disrupts normal communication between neurons and produces euphoria. This cause of euphoria makes methamphetamine, its illicit cousin, highly addictive. So there you have it. When I do these deep dives about these very various elements, much of much of this information, as always, was was provided by osmosis. I, I do have to mention, I do have to give him kudos for his great videos and his great info. But but when I when I provide these sort of deep dives, I usually like to supplement these with with information from doctors and experts with actual medical expertise in the field to help illuminate and elevate our discussion. The next clip I'm going to play for you 
is from Dr. David Behrman, who attests to the efficacy of medical marijuana for conditions like ADHD. You know, earlier you um, mentioned that uh, uh, maybe I was opposed to medical marijuana, and I said, no, I, I was just d dubious. And I certainly was dubious about the use of cannabis for treating ADD or ADHD, but that was because I didn't know anything. And when I looked into it, I found out that there were at least 40 papers uh, written before 2000 dealing with uh, the endocannabinoid system, cannabis, and ADD, ADHD, and that as early as 1998, efforts had been made in Oregon to add ADD, ADHD to the list of conditions for which uh, cannabis uh, was uh, appropriate or legal in the state of Oregon. I began to have people mention that they were able to focus and concentrate more with cannabis. I had people tell me that their grades went from D's and F's to A's and B's when they started using marijuana in junior high school. I had one patient come in and tell me that they attributed their graduating from the Maritime Academy to smoking marijuana. And another person who said that they were able to get their PhD as a result of smoking marijuana. And I started looking into this and found that there were hundreds of research studies that had been done which provided some of the information as to why this might work. And the reason that it probably works is that cannabis is important in terms of retrograde inhibition. And retrograde inhibition is a way of modulating the speed of neurotransmission. It's normal. And what happens if you don't have enough cannabinoids is that your neurotransmission is too rapid. So if you have a rapid uh, assault, if you will, on the cerebral cortex of in a substantial number of ideas, uh, concepts, uh, sensory input, then it may be difficult for the cerebral cortex to focus or concentrate. But if you slow these down, these neural impulses down by a few nanoseconds, then you're going to give the cerebral cortex more of an opportunity to focus and concentrate because you're going to have neural impulses moving more slowly and you'll probably have fewer neural impulses. Now there was an article that appeared in Scientific America in December 2004 written by Elger Nickel and I had the good fortune to go to a conference and be able to chat with Elger about retrograde inhibition and about the way cannabis worked in terms of attention deficit disorder and he told me that I was you know more or less in the ballpark after all he's a, a researcher and I'm a clinician so there's not always a perfect exchange of information between researchers and clinicians but in this case I feel as though uh, I am close enough uh, to having a good understanding. Furthermore, in addition to Elger, there is a researcher at UC Irvine named Daniel Piamelli. Piamelli has invented six or seven substances that interfere with the body's own metabolism of its own cannabinoids. And he feels that by increasing the cannabinoids in the brain, that it's useful in treating panic attacks, attention deficit disorder, uh, Tourette syndrome, and bipolar disorder. And I think much of the way in which cannabis works can be explained by the phenomenon of retrograde inhibition. And what's happening there is, is that the cannabis 
is causing more dopamine to be available. It is the dopamine that actually causes, actually facilitates the retrograde inhibition. What cannabis does is it competes with dopamine for dopamine binding sites on dopamine transporter. And if you get enough cannabis, it fills up the binding sites on the dopamine transporter, or at least a lot of them. The dopamine can't get in. You now have more dopamine, you have more retrograde inhibition, you have slower speed of neurotransmission, and you have better ability to focus and concentrate. And I, I've had uh, been amazed. I, back in, I think, 2001, I was interviewed for an article in USA Today, their online version on migraine headaches, and the reporter was talking to me, and as often happens, they were discussing uh, their experiences when they were in college, and we were at this informal restaurant down near Zuma Beach, and after about 20 minutes of this, the waitress came over, and we'd been talking about migraines, and she said, my son, who's 20, when he was 17, he noticed that cannabis helped him focus and concentrate and do his homework, and his grades went from D's and C's to A's and B's. This was completely unsolicited. I also have uh, people call me up and uh, try to get me to see their teenagers. Uh, I have a rule, it's not ironclad, that I won't see patients under the age of 21, but in certain circumstances I will see those patients. Uh, and in some of these instances, the, the parents have said that the change in their child in terms of their ability to focus, their ability to concentrate, uh, their interaction with the parents, their interaction with siblings, the turnaround has been fantastic and the benefits uh, have been such that they really are insisting that somebody uh, make a recommendation so that they'll be uh, legal and they want to avoid uh, these places where doctors are practicing minimalist medicine and not spending a lot of time uh, with the patients. Now, when I see somebody for attention deficit disorder, I often recommend to them the book Fidget to Focus, which is written by a local uh, psychologist, Dr. Roland Rotz. And Rotz himself has ADD. He has a website on ADD. He does some uh, courses through adult education, and of course he does one-on-one -on -one, uh, therapy. And he has been very good, according to some of my patients, in giving people with attention deficit disorder some very good strategies and techniques for how to successfully negotiate life with ADD. Because as you probably know, people who have ADD or ADHD are not very good at completing tasks, uh, tend to overcommit themselves, uh, often miss appointments, and so it's a question of being organized, of writing things down, uh, and of setting up a certain structure to your life so that you can rein in the ADD. Now, ADD is not necessarily a bad thing. There was an article in Newsweek a couple of years ago quoting a bunch of experts saying that people with ADD made good CEOs, they made good entrepreneurs, and they were very creative. And I've certainly found that to be generally uh, the case amongst my population of patients who have ADD. This is your Red State Cannabis News Roundup. North Dakota is likely to vote on marijuana legalization in November, according to MarijuanaMoments.net. A petition to legalize recreational marijuana in North Dakota appears to possibly be poised to appear on November's ballot. 
North Dakotan officials are wrapping up the signature vetting processes, and according to one official, they have noted, according to MarijuanaMoment.net, that, quote, as of right now, what's coming back in, there's nothing that casts a red flag anywhere. We can know by August 13th, which is the deadline for officials to vet the signatures and clear this measure for the ballot in November. Stay tuned for next week's episode for an update as to whether this will officially appear on November's ballot. In November, Utahns will go to the polls to vote for a medical marijuana measure, according to MaryJane.com. This measure is said to allow consumers to purchase up to two ounces of medical marijuana every two weeks to vaporize, eat, or ingest. Smoking medical marijuana would be prohibited under this measure. So far, over 60% of Utahns support legalizing cannabis for medical purposes. This is at odds with the Mormon Church, which is divided in its support of the measure. Also, according to MarijuanaMoment.net, three separate medical marijuana measures are slated to appear on this November's ballot in Missouri. Two of these measures are amendments to the state constitution to legalize marijuana for medical purposes. The third measure will be a statutory amendment. There are concerns by the stakeholders who have placed these measures on the ballot that they may potentially split the vote, resulting in neither of the three measures securing majority of the vote. Missouri's normal has, normal chapter has decided to hedge its support on, con, on the constitutional amendment measure sponsored by New Approach Missouri, which will allow doctors to recommend medical cannabis for numerous medical conditions and allow patients to grow over six plants w with dispensaries taxing the plant and its derivatives at 4%. According to Fremont News Messenger, a proposed city ordinance which aims to eliminate misdemeanor marijuana possession related fines and court costs will appear on the municipality's ballot this November. This, or this ordinance was proposed by the group Sensible Fremont. Joe Linder, an organization within Sensible Fremont said that this ballot measure was modeled after a previous one implemented in Toledo, Ohio. Linder believes that the state of Ohio will ultimately legalize recreational marijuana within the next couple of years. This wraps up the Red State Cannabis News Roundup. Stay tuned for next week for additional updates in Red State Cannabis Reform. So now we're going to wrap up our show with the latest edible recipe. But first, let's talk about the great strains that can help folks with ADHD manage their symptoms. These strains were recommended courtesy of Bailey Ran of Leafly. Leafly is an invaluable resource for medical and recreational cannabis users alike. So according to Leafly, Users should try a variety of strains to see which ones work best for them individually. Particularly for ADHD, users should try high THC strains, low THC strains, high CBD strains, and balance hybrids and indicas and so forth to see which is the right fit for their needs. So the first strain we'll start off with talking about is 
Synex. And Synex is a strain that is recommended for those with ADHD. It is a sativa strain that is said to foster euphoria and creativity. Folks who are prone to anxiety should proceed with caution and avoid dosing too high to avoid anxiety when taking the strain. The next strain is Cyrodiesel, which is another popular strain for ADHD. It is said to be one of the top strains for treating anxiety and treating ADHD. This strain offers euphoria, euphoria but unlike Synex, one should use, but but like Synex, pardon me, one should use in moderation to avoid triggering anxiety. Next one is Green Crack, pardon the name, or or other people call it Green Kush if if you prefer. Um, green Crack is another notable sativa. It is named. It was named Green Crack by Snoop Dogg because he said that the strain has very intensely stimulating effects. It offers a lot of energy and focus in addition to sharpening one's senses. The next one is called True OG, and this one is an indica that can slow the brain down, and it can possibly help tame impulsivity and hyperactivity in ADHD patients. The next strain is called Blueberry Headband, and this strain is a hybrid strain that is described as mellow, and it allows users to slow down their thought patterns to a more manageable pace. The next one is Har Har Harlot Sioux, and this strain is a high CBD strain with very little THC. It allows users to manage their ADHD with relative sobriety with a clear head and it helps helps foster a lot of calmness. So the next one, the next strain is Harlequin. Not to be confused with the Batman series character, this strain is a high CBD strain that is very helpful for alleviating concentration issues. The strain usually dons a 5 to 2 CBD to THC ratio with euphoric and stimulating effects. The next one is called Goo, and not to be confused with the legendary 1990 Sonic Youth album, this Indica strain helps with focus and can be very calming. Okay, so the last one is called Juniper OG, and this is another Indica strain that helps mitigate the side effects of many ADHD medications. It is calming and helps the brain wind down after a long day. Now that I've listed the numerous helpful strains for treating ADHD, we can now use these strains to make some very helpful and medicated edibles. Today's recipe comes to us courtesy of Leafly. This is a canna banana bread recipe. So this can this canna banana bread recipe will take about an hour and 20 minutes to create. It yields about 12 servings and the approximate dosage should be about 10 milligrams per serving. So depending on your tolerance, depending on your 
on on the effects you're aiming to achieve this you can you can dose at 10 milligrams per serving so if you have a high tolerance obviously you might need more than 10 milligrams or you might use this use up this recipe or this bread a lot quicker but if you have a lower tolerance you you might get more use out of it so the ingredients you'll need you'll you're going to need one and one quarter cup sugar. You also need half a cup of can of butter melted. You'll need two eggs. You'll need one and a half cups of overripe bananas mashed. You'll need half a cup of buttermilk, one teaspoon of vanilla extract, one tablespoon of orange zest, which is optional, two and a half cups of all-purpose flour, one teaspoon of baking soda, one teaspoon of salt, one tablespoon of cinnamon, one cup of chopped nuts, optional. Okay, so the directions. You're going to want to preheat the op oven to 350 degrees. Butter and flour the bottoms only of two mini loaf pans or one large loaf pan. Beat the can of butter and sugar with the hard hard mixer or paddle the attachment of the sand mixer. Add the eggs one at a time. Beat at a low speed until well blended. Add the mashed bananas, buttermilk, vanilla, and orange zest. Beat at a medium low speed until smooth. Sift together the flour, baking soda, salt, and cinnamon. Add them to the wet mixture while beating on low speed and continue beating until just moistened. If using nuts, fold them in and pour the mixture into the pans. Bake two mini loaves for 50 to 60 minutes or one large loaf for 70 to 75 minutes. When done, a toothpick can be inserted into the center should come out and this toothpick should come out clean. Let them cool completely approximately about two hours before slicing. If stored in an airtight container, loaves will keep keep about five days at room temperature or ten to twelve days refrigerated. So some tips for a perfect loaf. You can you can always you should butter or grease the pans and then dust them with a light layer of flour whenever you bake the cakes, brownies or breads. This will make for a much smoother removal. Position the oven rack so that the tops of the loaves loaf pans are dead center in the oven to prevent overbrowning of the crust. Slather with butter or can of butter for even more for an even better banana bread experience. And a key thing to note is this recipe from Leafly says um, the amount of can of butter specified in the recipe is a very loose suggestion. The actual amount you should use should be modified based on the strength of your butter and the potency that you desire. Dosing homemade edibles can be very tricky. 
So the best way to test for potency is to start with one portion of the serving, wait one, wait about one to two hours, then make an informed decision on whether to consume more. Always dose carefully and listen to your body and intuition. Never, I repeat, never drive under the influence of cannabis. So that wraps up today's podcast. Stay tuned next week for when we discuss another medical ailment and go over how cannabis can provide relief for it. If you are currently a medical cannabis patient and want to tell your story and be featured on the podcast, feel free to email me at iamcannabisativa at gmail.com. Feel free to hit me up on Instagram at iamcannabisativa, 1S. Also check our website at iamcannabisativa.com, 2S's. On our site, we have blog posts, links to the arc archives of the podcast and other videos from cannabis experts from many walks of the field. You can also find and subscribe to our podcast, which is now on SoundCloud, Cloud, Stitcher, and the Google Play Music Store. Stay tuned for the next episode where I am going to hate watch a anti-drug movie and give my analysis and debunk much of the propaganda within these movies. As usual, we'll feature, we'll feature some advice on, on various strains for, different medical, for a different medical ailment, and we'll provide an interesting edible recipe that you guys could, could make with these strains. So have a good one, everybody, and stay medicated, my friends. City stands makes you feel